project Tayag day 79, mitzvah tov tzadizayin, and that's the mitzvah lemanis melech misrael to appoint a Jewish king. We learn from the pasuk it says, "Saim to simolech melech, appoint a king of yourselves." And the rule, the reason for the king is to lead Israel to gather them together, to lead them into battle. The reason for the mitzvah, the chinuch has already explained, the benefit of having. One person who's responsible for looking after Klai Yisrael, because with many leaders, then it doesn't lead to the success of the country, because each one will change things or pull things in his own direction. And therefore, it, uh, to have many leaders in one place is actually a clutter, and the brach is that there's one leader who's responsible for directing and guiding everyone the same way. The halacha is in order to appoint a king. We need the basin of the synagogue of 70s Akadim to agree to that. It also needs the word of a Navi that this appointment is, so to speak, sanctioned in Hashemayim, such as Shaul and David, who were appointed by, Sh- by Sh- Shmuel and Navi, or by Yeshua, who was appointed as a leader by Moshe Rabbeinu. Same thing, was not allowed to appoint a lady as a king. This is Melech, which is a king, not a queen. And the way that they would appoint the king was by pouring the Shemin HaMishcha, the anointing oil on his head. And then, once he's a king, the king's the kingship passes through the family, from him to his sons. Like the Pasuk says, Who will bond with the care of Israel, him and his sons? Unless he doesn't have sons. If the son is still a cotton, so then the, we, 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 so to speak, keep the Melucha for him until he grows up and is able to take the reigns of authority. We find this by a number of kings, such as Yash, that when their fathers died, they were too young to rule the countries on their own, and there was, therefore there was a regent who took over until they were able to take, take control. Similarly, when it comes to the order of the sons, the older son will have a priority by any authority that the father had, or title that the father had, it would go from the father to the sons, and the eldest would have the priority in that. As long as the son is also competent to do the job, and he has Yerushimayim to listen to Hashem like his father did. However, if someone doesn't have Yerushimayim, then it's taken for granted. We don't give him a position of importance. We don't appoint people to leadership. They're not going to obey Hashem. And like it says, the halacha of appoint a king over yourself means it's not just as a position of a king, but there's a certain reverence, fear which for the king. And therefore, as long as he's not disobeying the Torah, we are obligated to follow the orders of the king. So we have to honor him as much as people can honor another person. And the halacha is, if someone disobeys the king, there's a din of a moed b'malchus, somebody who's, so to speak, instigating a rebellion. And the halacha is that someone like that can be put to death by the king. Similarly, the king can appropriate property in order to make roads, if that's what he needs to do. And he can judge people based on what he feels he has to do with them.
even without the rules of Eidos, which we're proud to have based in. And then the respect due to the king from the country is not to use his things, to ride on his horse, not to sit on his seat, not to marry his Almana, his widow, after he dies, not to make use of his crown or his royal clothing. And that's all to set him apart on a certain distinction of his, in his level of the cover due to him. And that's why after King died, they would burn all his personal assets. Similarly, Zaracha, that a king is not allowed to forego in his covet. And really, these things are all for the benefit of Ta Yisrael, that they have a king that they can look up to and therefore is in the position to lead them. The responsibilities of the king towards the people also to lead them, to guide them, to care for them, to protect them. But these dinner of the king only apply to Ta Yisrael when they're all living in Eretz Yisrael. Before that and after, there's no mitzvah of appointing a Jewish king. And again. And even though once David Amalekh was appointed as king, and the kingship was promised to him and his descendants forever, and therefore there would never be a need to appoint another king, because any future king would have to be a descendant, son of the son of David Amalekh. This mitzvah still applies today, because part of the mitzvah is the way we treat a king, not just how we appoint a king. Similarly, if there would be a question about who the Malchus belongs to, so then there would be the responsibility of, of making sure that the rightful descendant of a king assumes the throne. And similarly, it would be the responsibility to ensure that, every, that the king is afforded the respect or the fear that Israel are mitzvah to give him. Mitzvah Tav Tzadiches and that is not to appoint on ourselves a non-Jewish king. The You can't appoint for yourselves a king who is not your brother, which means he's not a Jew. And that means even a ger, a convert, is not allowed to be a king. That's also someone who wasn't born to Klai Yisrael. And it doesn't just about the kingship, it applies to anybody in a position of authority. That he can't be chosen unless at least his mother was Jewish. Because if that's the case, as a born Jew, he's also called Achicha, your brother, and therefore he'd be allowed to be given that position. The reason for that is since the person in authority has the right to expect everyone else to accept his word, to listen to him, it's appropriate that that person should be somebody who's born from Klai Yisrael. Because Klai Yisrael are naturally merciful. We call it Rahmanim ben Rahmanim. We are inherently merciful people, and therefore someone in authority who could treat people in a non-merciful fashion. We don't want someone like that to have that authority, we want someone from Klai Yisrael who we can rely on, who treat everybody in that overly harsh manner, because that's the inborn trait of Jews from Abraham Yisak and Yaakov. We also can't appoint someone as a king or as a Kohen Gadol, somebody who had previously been a barber, or worked in a bathhouse, or been a tanner, not because they're apostle, but because since their profession is looked down on, they're going to be, so to speak, ridiculed by people, and therefore, we can't now expect people to admire them and revere them from a position of authority as a king of Kohen Gadol. 
as we know, David Amalek was given the throne of Israel for him and his descendants forever. And therefore we can't appoint a king not from base David, just like we can't appoint a coin without a descendant of Aaron. The mitzvah and the Isser of appointing a king only apply in Eretz Yisrael when Klai Yisrael are all living in their own land. And it's not a mitzvah in one yachid, it's a mitzvah which applies to the whole of Jewish people together. However, regarding other positions of authority, so that would apply in any time and place, not to, choose, not to appoint somebody who is not born into Klai Yisrael. And from here we learn the principle that people who are cruel or people who are ashamed, it's also to appoint them in positions of importance of Klai Yisrael, either because he's afraid of them or wants to, wants to flatter them, because by giving them authority, it's enabling them to mistreat the rabbi. And the Chinuch mentions that somebody who doesn't show fear and uh, doesn't give in to pressure to appoint somebody inappropriate in this world, so Hakadosh Baruch Hu will make sure that he gets rewarded here and not another. Mitzvah Tov Tzadi Tes, and that is Shulay Yarbe Hamelech Susim. This is an instruction for the king that he shouldn't have too many horses. The pasuk says Shulay Yarbe Susim. And that is, so horses which are just there for fanfare, or for parades, even one which is, doesn't have a function to play, so to speak, is also. But if he has horses which he needs for his soldiers, for to pull his, uh, for his cavalry, or to pull his chariots, and sometimes they're needed for that, then that's not included in the slav. The Isser only applies according to the Chinuch for horses which are there for covered and for processions and things like that and not animals he needs to pull his chariots. The Pasuk gives the reason that it shouldn't cause Klai Yisrael to return to Mitzrayim, to Egypt in order to increase his horses which means that was a place where horses were bred and then if the king wanted horses he would send his people to breed horses in Mitzrayim which is also However, that's only if they would settle in Egypt. The Isra doesn't apply to people who would visit Egypt in business. And there's a side reason also, and that is it causes uh, the king to become more proud in those times when he would have more horses for display, and therefore the Torah prevented him doing that. This Isra applies only when there is a king who reigns in Israel, and it applies only to the king. And... If the king would increase an unnecessary horse even, it's a letter and a Torah, therefore be high of Marcus. Mitzvah of Kuf, and that is not to move to live in Eretz Mitzrayim. Hashem said you'll never return to Mitzrayim. And therefore, as we saw in the previous mitzvah, it doesn't mean the person who can't visit Mitzrayim, it means the person who can't settle in Mitzrayim. After three times the Torah warns us not to return to Eretz Mitzrayim. Just like it says in this passage, it also says, The way you went from Mitzrayim, Hashem said you won't return to be there again. And the reason for the mitzvah, the people of Mitzrayim, they were Balei Avera, as we know. Hashem's redemption 
from Mitzrayim was to enable us to detach from Egyptian society and to follow the Derech of Emes. And therefore, returning to Mitzrayim is returning to study ourselves in the society and the lack of morals that Mitzrayim presented. And if you're going to live in Mitzrayim, we would make the mistake of learning from the ways of the Mitzrayim again. This doesn't apply just to the capital city of Mitzrayim. It applies to the whole country of Mitzrayim, and therefore, even other cities in Mitzrayim, such as Alexandria, would be included in this in this issue. Chinuch learns that this mitzvah applies, this issue applies even today in any time and place, both to men and to ladies. And if a person will be over in it and settle in Mitzrayim, he'll be over in this lab. But this Chinuch learns to be no malchus because entering Mitzrayim isn't yet the issue. The person doesn't intend to stay there. And remaining there doesn't have a maizah. The Rambam Paskins, that this will only apply if Mitzrayim was under the rule of the Mitzrayim. And therefore he holds that if a Jewish king would conquer Mitzrayim, then Eretz Mitzrayim would be much to live in as well. It's no longer under the domain of the people of Egypt. The Chinuch agrees with this ruling. And then, therefore this is a Chiddush, that even though the reason that the Issa would apply was because of the people of Mitzrayim, which are not necessarily the people who are there today, as we'll see, this is a subject of a machlokes. Nevertheless, the the issue would still apply today. Mitzvah tov kuf aleph, and that is shleiyar b'leyamelech noshim. A king shouldn't increase to, and have too many wives. Also, in the first in the pasuk it says shleiyar b'leyamoshim. The pasuk says that the nature of a wife is to lead her husband's heart after her and if that's the case by a king there's more of a, a danger that his wives would sway him from what he's meant to do as a king we learn in the Gemara that a king is allowed to marry 18 wives even if they would all be Tzedkaniyos which means we're not worried that they'll sway his heart to do Averis he's not allowed more than 18 wives and this mitzvah too applies only to the king and would apply whenever there's a king. And if you would take more than that, besides the fact that he's been over this lab, it would be Marcus, you would also be mitzvah to divorce one of them. We learned this from David and Melech, had six wives, and the Navi told him, if you wanted more, Hashem would add for you kahena v'kahena, like these and like these, which means six more and six more, which comes to a total of 18. Mitzvah and that is the king shouldn't increase his money. It says the case of Azav the year below. He shouldn't stockpile silver and gold. And as Chazal say, the amount he has, he needs to pay his soldiers or his army or his servants is much more than that not. However, this means that he can't amass personal wealth. Again, for the same reason that it's but to make him into a Balgaiva, which is something which is a specific danger to a king because he's in authority. However, to increase money for the Tzorech Klal Yisrael and to help them with what they need or to protect them, that's a mutter, that's allowed. And the king who has the intention of increasing his wealth for himself, not the Tzorech Yisrael, is over in this lab. 
And besides that, he's not fulfilling his function as a king, which is meant to be acting with Tovus, Kal Yisrael. And in the case where he's trying to amass personal fortune, he's acting with his own interests and not with what he's meant to be entrusted with, which is looking after Kal Yisrael. Mitzvah of Gimel, and that is the chiv of a king to write a second sefer Torah for himself. In other words, even though there's a chiv in everybody to write a sefer Torah, there's another chiv in a king that should have a Torah which is with him always and he should learn from it. And as the Pasuk says, that has to remain with him, he can learn it his whole life. And the reason for that, because the king is in a position with no one on top of him, and he's able, by giving instructions which will have results, the soldiers or his, or his guards will obey them, and therefore, with the slip of the tongue, he can cause people to get killed. And therefore, it's necessary always for him to have in front of him something which will remind him to be conquered Yad Sahara and focus on his responsibilities to Hashem. And that's a Sefer Torah which he keeps with him always. Always when he goes out to battle, always means when he sits in judgment, always even means when he's sitting to eat. Because the Sefer Torah is always in his mind, so then he'll keep it in focus when he makes his decisions. This is one of the mitzvahs which are only mutl on the king himself. And whenever there would be a king, then he would have this chiyuf. And that is the Shlevit Levi shouldn't be given inheritance or part of the land of Eretz Israel, except for the cities which were provided for them. The Pasuk says, The Kalim Levim shouldn't have it. Kol Shlevit Levi, Nachalik Venachalo. And the Torah tells us clearly the reason because Hashem is Venachalo. And if they would be given land and they had to cultivate it and work on the land, it would distract them from their Avodah Hashem. And therefore, instead of giving them land, they don't need to spend their time, so to speak, focusing on agriculture. They can focus it fully on Avodah Hashem. And as we worked out once before, the Chinuch says, that this way, the Levim, being as they were one-twelfth of Kayisrael, and they were given one-tenth of the produce, were actually looked after financially in a better way than the rest of Kayisrael. And that was as a reward or in place of their ability to serve Hashem uninterrupted. This mitzvah applies to the beam. And when the Israel is in the possession of the Jewish people, and therefore they wouldn't, they wouldn't, who wouldn't give them a chalik? Mitzvah tafkopay. And that is the Shevet Levi won't take a part of the spoils of Eretz Israel. As you know, when Kalashal entered Eretz Israel, and they destroyed the seven nations that were entitled to take the spoils. That was, that was the Chalik for they were all given that as part of the inheritance. But the Levi wasn't given that either. And that's why the Torah says they shouldn't get a Chalik and a Nachla. A Nachla is to stroll and a Chalik means of the spoils. It says about the Levim, it says again about the Kohenim, which is just to repeat the same love a second time. Even though the Pasuk is said by the Levim and again by the Kohenim, the Rambam learns there aren't two separate Yisurim. One for Kohenim, one for Levim. It's all included in the same Yisur because the Kohenim was also part of the Shevet Levi. And he gives other examples that we find that 
an Isr or a mitzvah which is given to Klai Israel and then specifically to the Kainim isn't counted twice. For example, we saw an Isr of uh, shaving one's beard both by Israelim and Bakonim or by tearing at one's head for a mace both by Israelim and Bakonim and they aren't counted as two separate lavim. And the reason why they're repeated is to learn more halachas from, from the one possible which doesn't state in the other one, but not to add another love. And therefore, same thing over here, the, even though the Pasuk says both by the Levim and by the Kainim, that they shouldn't get a Chalif or a Nacht on Eretz Yisrael, it doesn't come to add to the Levim. Why shouldn't the Kainim or Levim be entitled to a Chalif of the spoils? It says the Chalif, because since they're servants of Hashem, it's not appropriate for them to use Kainim, which have been taken from people in war, because things brought into the house of Hashem should only be things which symbolize peace or shalom and not things which are spoils of war. This mitzvah applies in the Zman of the Beis HaMikdash when this special, so to speak, situation of the Kohen and the Levim as being the one serving Hashem was in place. And therefore for a Kohen or a Levi to take a Chalik of the spoils would be over on this love. But there wouldn't be Malchus because it can be, the item which was taken could be returned.